Section 1 of How to Grow the Peanut and 105 Ways of Preparing It for Human Consumption by George Washington Carver. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Forward. In the preparation of this bulletin, I wish to gratefully acknowledge assistance from the following sources, regretting that no credit can be given quite a number, as the information was obtained from clippings without the author's name. Several bulletins from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, The Rural World, The Rural New Yorker, The Southern Ruralist, Farm and Fireside, The Country Gentleman, The Kansas Farmer, The Hearthstone, Peerless Cookbook, Home Cooking, Common Sense Recipes, Royal Baker and Pastry Book, The American Agriculturalist, The Tribune Farmer, The Montgomery Advertiser, the farm and home berries fruit recipes wallace's farmer leaflets from the west virginia university the rumford book bulletins from the university of nebraska several leaflets from cornell university good housekeeping note always remove the brown holes from the peanuts even though the recipe does not say so bulletin number thirty two may nineteen seventeen how to Grow the Peanut and 105 Ways of Preparing It for Human Consumption Of all the money crops grown by Macon County farmers, perhaps there are none more promising than the peanut in its several varieties and their almost limitless possibilities. Of the many good things in their favor, the following stand out as most prominent. 1. Like all other members of the pod-bearing family, they enrich the soil. 2. They are easily and cheaply grown. Three. For man, the nuts possess a wider range of food values than any other legume. 4. The nutritive value of the hay as a stock food compares favorably to that of the cowpea. 5. They are easy to plant, easy to grow, and easy to harvest. 6. The great food and forage value of the peanut will increase in proportion to the rapidity with which we make it a real study. This will increase consumption and therefore must increase production. 7. In this country, two crops per year of the Spanish variety can be raised. 8. The peanut exerts a dietetic or a medicinal effect upon the human system that is very desirable. 9. I doubt if there is another foodstuff that can be so universally eaten in some form by every individual. 10. Pork fattened from peanuts and hardened off with a little corn just before killing is almost, if not quite equal to the famous red gravy hams or the world-renowned beech nut breakfast bacon. 11. The nuts yield a high percentage of oil of superior quality. 12. The clean cake after the oil has been removed is very high in muscle-building properties, protein, and the ease with which the meal blends in with flour, meal, etc., makes it of special value to bakers, confectioners, candy makers, and ice cream factories. 13. Peanut oil is one of the best-known vegetable oils. 14. A pound of peanuts contains a little more of the bodybuilding nutrients than a pound of sirloin steak, while the heat and energy-producing nutrients it has more than twice as much. Varieties there are many varieties of the peanut, all possessing more or less merit. A number have been tested here on our station grounds, and we can heartily recommend the following varieties in the order named. First, the Spanish. 
As compared with most other varieties, the vines are small, upright in growth, and nearly all pods cling close to the taproot. Hence, they can be planted closer together and the yield be larger. This variety produced 59 bushels per acre on very light sandy soil. Second, the Georgia Red and Tennessee Red. These are practically one of the same variety, habit of growth and fruiting qualities much the same as the Spanish. With us, it made a slightly lower yield. This variety has from three to four kernels to the pod. The nuts are rich in flavor. Third, the Virginia Running Variety. This variety is often referred to as the typical American peanut. It is decidedly the most popular with the trade. The pods are large and white, the vines spreading, and under favorable conditions, it fruits nearly out to the ends of the branches. Soil. With reference to soil, there are two things to bear in mind, viz. whether they are for market or house consumption. The trade demands a light-colored shell, which is only produced on light, sandy, porous soil. More bushels per acre can be grown on stiff, clay soil than upon light soil, but the pods will be stained dark. In fact, any land that will produce good corn will produce good peanuts, provided that there is plenty of lime in it. Preparation In the preparation of the soil, the chief essentials are 1. Deep plowing from 8 to 9 inches 2. Thorough pulverization with a harrow, drag, smoothing board, etc. 3. Remove all stones, roots, stumps, clods, and obstructions of all kinds. Fertilizers for peanuts. The peanut is an interesting plant in that it adjusts itself to many kinds and methods of fertilization. It does well fertilized exactly as for corn, makes a splendid yield when given the same treatment as cowpeas, does equally well for when fertilized the same as for cotton. For the sandy soils of Macon County, we found the following compost mixture most satisfactory. In the fall and winter, a large pen was filled with leaves, muck from the swamp, and farmyard manure. The mixture consists of one load of leaves from the woods together with the rich top earth, one load of muck from the swamp, and one load of manure from the barns, pig pens, poultry house, etc. The pen was filled in this way, a rough shed put over it to throw off the excess of water so the fertility would not be washed out. 18 tons of this mixture, together with 100 pounds acid phosphate, 50 pounds canate, and 200 pounds lime were applied to the acre. Where one must depend upon a commercial mixture, the one given below gave decidedly the largest yield. Acid phosphate, 55 pounds. Cottonseed meal, 125 pounds. Canate, 100 pounds. Barnyard manure, 3 tons. Agricultural lime, 200 pounds. Note, on soils containing lime, do not add any to the fertilizer mixture. Planting. The time for planting the peanut in this locality is practically the same as for corn. Beginning about the middle of March when not hold, and the 1st of April when shelled, a good plan is to break the shell crosswise. They come up almost as quickly as when shelled. If the Spanish peanut is shelled and planted early in April, it will mature about the middle of July, when they can be pulled, the ground prepared again, reseeded, and a second crop produced. There are two principal methods of planting the peanut, viz. in drills and checks. The drill method proved most desirable with us, giving the largest yield. For the Spanish, we placed our rows from two and a half to three feet apart. For the running varieties, from three to three and a half feet apart. Burrows were run as nearly four inches deep as possible, the compost put directly into the furrow, and the nuts planted on it.
Cultivation. If the land has been well prepared as above directed and is practically free of weed seeds, the cultivation will be quite simple. Cultivate only enough to keep the ground soft and mellow and free from weeds. There are two methods, however, for cultivating the peanut, viz. the ridge method and the flat method. We tried both, and the flat method gave decidedly the best results. Harvesting The time to harvest varies with the date of planting and the variety of peanut. Experienced planters prefer to get their crops harvested before the first killing frost, because it not only injures some of the nuts, but greatly reduces the hay, by lowering its feeding value and causing the vines to drop their leaves. There are a number of special plows and devices made to render harvesting the crop as easy as possible. All of them have more or less merit. The small farmer, however, can use to good advantage the same method used in harvesting the sweet potato, viz. that of plowing a furrow on each side of the vines, then bursting out the middle containing vines, which can be picked up readily, the earth shaken off in the vines windrowed, loosely piled, or treated in any way desired. An old and favorite way is to plow up the vines in the morning of a warm, sunshiny day, allowing them to dry until late in the afternoon, when they are gathered up and stacked around poles, which are about seven feet high, and set firmly in the ground at convenient places over the field. Logs or poles should be laid on the ground around the center pole, as to keep the vines off the ground. Stack loosely so the air can pass through freely. Care should be taken to stack the vines, so the peanuts will be on the inside next to the pole. Cap the stacks with hay, straw, corn stalks, or anything that will turn the water. If the weather is good, they may be safely picked in from 15 to 20 days after stacking. Picking. There are so many good pickers on the market now, together with a great many simple and effective homemade devices, and I think any further mention of them would be wholly out of place. Preparation for the market. Peanuts, like everything else, sell more quickly and bring a better price if the nuts are uniform in size, clean, and the shells are of a bright color. If washing is necessary, it should be done on a clear, warm day, and they should be dried quickly in the sun. A large number of the pops and otherwise faulty nuts can be removed by winnowing them in a good, strong wind, like peas. They should be put in bags holding 100 pounds each, put away in a dry, ventilated house until ready to sell. The pops and faulty nuts can be fed to hogs. Peanut hay. Hay made from peanut vines, like all our cultivated pod-bearing plants, possesses high feeding value. The following table from the best-known authorities shows it as compared with alfalfa, cowpea vines, crimson and burr clover, air-dried material. Water. Peanut. 7.83%. Alfalfa. 6.95%. Cowpea vines. 10.29%. Crimson clover. 9.6%. Red clover. 14.3%. Crude ash. Peanut, 17.04%. Alfalfa, 7.49%. Cowpea vines, 9.1%. Crimson clover, 8.6%. Red clover, 7.47%. Protein muscle builders. Peanut, 11.75%. Alfalfa, 16.48%. Cowpea vines, 19.72%. Crimson clover, 15.2%. Red clover, 12.84%. Crude fiber. Peanut, 22.11%. Alfalfa, 
31.38%, cowpea vines, 21.99%, crimson clover, 27.2%, red clover, 29.27%, fats, peanut, 1.84%, alfalfa, 2.03%, cowpea vines, 4.04%, crimson clover, 2.8%, red clover, 2.11%, carbohydrates, fat formers, peanut, 46.95%, alfalfa, 42.62%, cowpea vines, 45.15%, crimson clover, 36.6%, red clover, 48.31%. It is readily seen by the above table that peanut hay compares very favorably with the much-prized market hays of superior feeding value. One and one-fourth tons of cured hay was produced on an acre in our station, in addition to 59 bushels of nuts. As food for man, by reason of its superior food value, the peanut has become almost a universal diet for man. And when we learn its real value, I think I am perfectly safe in the assertion that it will not only become a prime essential in every well-balanced dietary, but a real necessity. Indeed, I do not know any one vegetable that has such a wide variety of food possibilities. Below are given 105 ways of preparing the peanut for human consumption, with the hope that every farmer will learn to appreciate them and raise large quantities for his own consumption, and also with the hope that the city folk will find the diet not only wholesome, satisfying, healthful, and appetizing, but very economical. Fourteen recipes were selected from this number, and a five-course luncheon served to ten food specialists, and each one of them, without expectation, was enthusiastic over it, and said it was the most satisfying luncheon he or she had ever eaten. A glance at the table below is sufficient to impress anyone most favorably with the superior value of the peanut as a food. Water. Peanuts, 9.2%. Boston beans, 12.6%. Cowpeas, 13%. Protein, muscle builders. Peanuts, 25.8%. Boston beans, 22.5%. Cowpeas, 21.4%. Carbohydrates, fat formers. Peanuts, 63%. Boston beans, 59.6%. Cowpeas, 60.8%. End of section 1.